I want to talk to you about a new heart, a new part, and a new start today. That's my title of my message, a new, a new heart, a new part, and a new start. If you have your Bibles, turn to Jeremiah, the 31st chapter, verses 31 through 34. We'll be reading this as quickly as possible here. Um, it says this, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. Do you know that Jesus took you by the hand and brought you out of the land of sin? Amen. Uh, I love that. That's powerful right there. Um, but uh, it says this, when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke. Everyone say that they broke. Though I was there, their husband declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make. With the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord, I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Amen. I pray that verse over my life. Amen. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. Today, I want to just simply talk to you on this, a new heart, a new part, and a new start. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for your presence, and I feel that your anointing in this house today. Lord, your anointing breaks the yoke of bondage. Lord, I pray right now, Lord, that yokes of bondages and people who are struggling, Lord, that those yokes would be broken by, by your word today, God, that your spirit would enlighten us, God, that our hearts would be softened by the word today, Lord, that it would penetrate our hearts and change us forever. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray and everyone said, amen. How many of you like new things in your life? Amen. How many like new things? How many like uh, the new car smell? How many like the new payment? I didn't think so. Uh, I love the I love the smell of a new car. I don't like the the payment. You know, um, I love the smell of a new book. Anybody else weird like me? All right, thank you. I, I love I love to just if you ever see me sniffing a book, you know I'm what I'm doing. Um, and uh, I and I like me and my wife. We often disagree on when it's time to buy new things. Come on, any of you people that are married understand what I'm talking about in the house. Um, you know, I, I think I need new clothes. She says the old ones you have are working. She's Dave Ramsey, and I'm, I don't know, something else. And sometimes there's an ever-ending struggle between us. So, uh, you know, she don't let me buy clothes, but she'll buy everything else on Amazon. Come on, somebody. I'm teasing, kind of. You know, I... How many of you have ever had a pair of socks, you put them on, your toe goes through a hole? Boy, that's aggravating. That is aggravating. You ever put a, you put a pair of socks on, put them in your shoes, and you're walking along, and your toe goes, boy, I just cannot stand that. I'd rather not even wear socks than that. But, you know, sometimes you got to throw out your socks. But my brother made this statement. He said, I would, I would wear a new pair of socks every day if I could afford it. And I kind of happen to agree with him. I kind of like that concept. And all the people from Haines said, amen. But... But I like new things. Matter of fact, uh, when Tristan was in beauty college, some of you didn't know, but she she went through beauty college and, and is a cosmetologist. Not that's not an astronaut. That's a, that's a, uh, that's different. But 
she she went to school to, to do hair and nails and when we were um, well before we got married and uh, I remember when we I was dating her I got a new hairstyle and a new color of hair quite often when she was going through school because I, I dated a brunette I dated a blonde I dated a redhead I dated I mean you name it across the gamut I dated but it was something something new but how many love new things amen this passage is 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 about uh, it's talking about the new covenant, the new covenant that God has, has given us. A covenant is basically this. If you don't know what that is, it's an agreement between uh, two people. When we have people get married, we say it is a covenant between not only the people but between God. We call it a, a covenant. It's not a contract, all right? Contracts can be broken. A covenant is, is something you're supposed to, to do forever. And so the old, the old covenant rules... Standards were uh, were given to the people concerning how they should behave and how they should live. God gave them ten commandments. They turned it into six hundred and eighteen different laws. How many know that's the way it works? We we overthink things and 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 it began to just kind of grow. But because people broke the old covenant, the law or the law, the ten commandments, the uh, as Paul says it in Galatians, the schoolmaster come along and begin to point to us. Here's what I know. The Old Testament, when we put ourselves up against the Old Testament, listen, if you've committed one of those, James says you have done them all. You've broken the law. And, and it is a schoolmaster. This is the way you can think of the Old Testament and Ten Commandments. It's like a mirror. How many love to look at a mirror? The older you get, how many love to look at a mirror? No. Why? Because there's imperfections, right, that weren't there when you were 20 years old, but now that you're a little bit older, you start to see a wrinkle here or there or a sunspot, and you're like, or you look at the mirror and go, man, when did my dad show up all of a sudden, or when did my mom show up, and, and, and we begin to think about that, but the, but the Old Testament, what it did was it began to show us that we are flawed as a people and that we were full of corruption and sin. And, and that was the, the purpose of the Old Testament all along. It was like a school teacher is what Paul says in Galatians. And he says it was a school master teaching us and showing us that we needed a better way. So the new covenant speaks prophetically here in Jeremiah. Number one, it's speaking to Israel and, and when they would return to the Lord in the millennium. But it also deals with us presently. How do I know that? Hebrews chapter 8, chapter 12. Wednesday nights I've been going through the book of Hebrew and it is rocking my world and I love it. Once we learn that, that we're sinners, listen, once we learn that we're sinners and in need of a Savior, the Lord says, here is a new covenant that I've given you. Here is a new agreement. When Jesus came, he made a new way. Amen. How many are grateful for that? Amen. Come on, give him a hand. So I want to look at this text, and I just, I'm going to be as fast as I can. Listen, I'm already on point one. This is already, already going be better than I wanted, but uh, uh, I don't know what that means. But uh, a new heart, number one, a new heart. Everyone say a new heart. Verse 33 says this right here. This is powerful. For, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my law within them. Everyone say within you. And I will write it down on their what? And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. I love this. It's a very powerful verse. Um, and this is what we have to understand. No longer would, would the old covenant be there, and it, it wouldn't just be, uh, 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 you know, uh, external rules written on stone uh, or, or tablet. Instead, this would happen internally within us. Amen? 
How many know that when you know you shouldn't do something, boy, you feel that inside of you, I shouldn't do that. You know that. You learn that at a young age, right, what's right and wrong really fast. When your parents say, hey, don't do that, and you know and you try to do it, and you know I really shouldn't be doing this, but you do it. You, you feel that inside of you, right? But God would write his will, his desires, not, not on, on a stone, a cold stone, but in our warm hearts. How many are grateful for that? I like that. And the prophet Ezekiel, he takes it a little bit further in clarifying this point to you and I. Matter of fact, I like the way that he words this. It's very, very good scripture. Ezekiel 36, 26 says, and I will give you a new heart. Come on, somebody. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. God wants to take your old stubborn, hard-headed self and give you something precious, amen, something good. You know, um, you know, a hard heart doesn't do you very good, right? When you're hard-hearted, listen, you're hard to get along with. People don't want to be around you. But when you're soft-hearted and, and God can begin to do things within you. See, this is interesting to me. The early church, when we talk about the early church, that after Jesus had ascended and, and the day of Pentecost and the church began to break forth, they began to minister and they began to witness everywhere. The early church turned the world upside down. And let me tell you why. Because they understood the new covenant and what it meant. Now, for us today, listen, this is very powerful for us. We have the word of God. But the early church, listen, was, was still writing the portions that we like to read today, right? And so they didn't necessarily have all the New Testament like we have it where we can read it and understand it really fast. But no, but they understood that Jesus had come and created a new covenant. And on that thing, which that which the Jesus, what Jesus had said and what the Spirit of God was speaking to them, they built this church. And listen, not specifically this church, but, but the church of Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Amen. How many believe that today? Amen. When, when Paul's letters and the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, finally circulated, they, they, they basically they confirmed what they already knew in their heart. What are you saying, Pastor? The Spirit of God began to speak to them, and then he came and he answered them in the Word of God. Amen? How many know that that's a powerful thing? See, here's the problem with us. We miss this dynamic uh, at times in our life when we believe on him and, and, and we surrendered our life to him. His spirit, it comes and it dwells within us and it is living and working in our lives if we let him. Amen? The Holy Spirit, listen, I... Listen, I'm, I, I, if Lord willing, next week I'm going to start a, a, a series on the Holy Spirit. But the Bible says this, the Holy Spirit will lead you in all truths. He will guide you. He will, he will take you from glory to glory to glory. Amen. And, and, are you, and, you know, and some people would say this, well, pastor, are you saying I should follow my heart? Absolutely not because, you know, it, it tells us in Scripture that the heart is deceitful and wicked. Your heart is deceitful and wicked. Well, pastor, are you saying I shouldn't follow the Bible? Absolutely not. You should follow the word of God. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. Those things are important. But listen to me. We miss an element sometimes because we, we, we neglect the leading of the Holy Spirit. In our lives. 
And it happens, you know, from time to time. But, uh, you know, and sometimes, listen, I'll, I'll tell you this. Oftentimes, we, we, are, we have our regimented Bible plans. There's nothing wrong with that. We read it and we follow our little Bible plan. Nothing wrong with that. But often, listen to me, listen to me. Often we read the Bible for information rather than inspiration. Right? Lord, how are you going to inspire me? Lord, I, I got information here. Inspire me, Holy Spirit. Begin to speak to me through this word. And let me tell you something. Only the Holy Spirit can bring inspiration to you through this word. Amen. And, and he writes it. This, this, this scripture says that he writes it on our hearts. Amen. That's personal. And that's what we should be doing. So, so, so the Bible confirms the new covenant in our lives and what the Lord is speaking to our hearts. So uh, how many have ever been dry spiritually? You just, you know, you prayed and God just didn't answer and you just struggled and just like, man, God, where are you? Wish you could feel refreshed by the Spirit of God. Well, well, let me ask you this. When was the last time you let the Lord speak to you? Because a lot of times we, we get in this uh, communication of what we call prayer with the Lord, and we tell the Lord everything about us, and God's like, have you ever had a conversation with somebody that won't let you get a, a word in? Come on, that's annoying. And God is saying, hey, I, I, I want to speak this. I, I want to speak. If, if you'll let me, I'll help you. Oh, amen. See you later. Right? I, I want to speak into your life. So we, we miss the excitement, the, the adventure, the Christian experience, the anointing of the Holy Ghost. You know, God wants this life. This Christian life should be the most adventurous thing on earth. Amen? I'll give you a good example. I mean, 1 Kings chapter 19, Elijah, you know, he was, he was sad. He was dry. He was depressed. He was spiritually at a low. And there he was at the mountain. And, 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 and he went to the, the, the Lord, told him, go to the cleft of the rock. And he went to the cleft of the rock. And, 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 and the Lord passed, and, 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 and the Lord came by. And, and, and how many know the Lord was not in the wind? The wind came by. Didn't phase Elijah. And then, and then he's sitting there, and the earth shook. There was an earthquake. Elijah, he knew that the Lord wasn't in that. And then the fire came, and Elijah understood that the Lord wasn't in that. How many, how many know what I, I tell you what, if I just saw those three things, I'd been like, Lord, what are you trying to say to me right now? But no, 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 Elijah, he understood something. But it was interesting because God spoke to him in the still, small voice. Here's what I've learned in my life. Listen, it's not that God's not speaking to me. It's just that my ears aren't listening to him. There's a difference between listening and hearing the word. When God speaks to us, see, my wife can tell you there's a difference between me listening and hearing what she's saying. Come on, somebody, right? You know, there's times where she's talking to me, and sometimes, man, I just zone out. Come on, I'm just being real. And sometimes she's just talking, and I'm just like, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, uh-huh, yes. And she's like, that was not a yes or no question. Right? I'm like, well, I was just waiting for the yes or no question. I was just, you know, and she says, that's not what I asked you. What did I just say? And I murmur off something, and I'm way off. Anybody, I'm just being real. I, I do the same. Come on, you do the same thing, all right? But here's the, here's the thing. But God has called us to be to be courageous. But uh, I, I don't know about you. I've never had the privilege like Elijah to hear to hear the Lord audibly. Man, that would be an amazing thing. But I've never I've never heard the Lord audibly. But maybe you have, and that's amazing. But why do, why doesn't God speak to us clearly and audibly at times? Why 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 does He do that? Why 
does he leave a reason for doubt? Why does he not all, why does he speak to us in a still small voice? I'll, I'll tell you, I'll give you, I think what I believe is a beautiful example. John 14, 2 tells us that not only is Jesus preparing us a place for us, but he is also, listen, listen here, Jesus is preparing a place for us to go, but he is also preparing us for that place. And that means that I have to learn to trust him and put my faith in him. It takes faith and trust in him. John 14.1 says this, Jesus would say this to his disciples, a verse right before this, do not let your hearts be troubled. And he had just told him, hey, I, I'm, about to, I'm about to die. I don't know about you. If I'd followed a guy for three and a half years, he's telling me he's going to die. I'd be like, what is going on here? He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God and believe also in me. Have faith. I want you to have ears to hear. I want you to have uh, eyes to see what the Spirit is speaking. Amen? And that's, he'll show us things. The Holy Spirit will show us things. Amen? God has given us the written word to correct us when we're not listening. Come on, somebody. Amen. To hear him clearly. And listen, this word will confirm what the spirit of God is speaking to you. And if you have something speaking to you that does not line up with this word, you throw that right on out because it's not the spirit of God. The spirit of God will lead you to what? All truths. Come on, somebody. Right? Everyone say a new heart. Here's the second one. A new part. A new part. And I'm not talking about a part in your hair, all right? A new part. Verse 34a, the first part of the scripture says, And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, for the least of them to the greatest declares the Lord. So this is what you need to understand. Under the old covenant, the priests would stand in the presence of the Lord. And, and then, in, then in turn, they would share the heart of the Lord to the people. So the priest was between the people and the Lord. So the, the people would come, and the, and the priest, the high priest, would make a sacrifice for them. And the high priest would go in on the Day of Atonement into the Holy of Holies, right? And some of you heard me talk about this and teach on this. And he would go in, and, and, and in the Holy of Holies, he had, a, he had a, a thing around him that if there was any sin in his life, man, if he walked into the Holy of Holies, he would die, okay? That's the what happens. When the law, when the law is put up against us, well, that's what we deserve. And so if he had any sin in his life, he would die. How many would be signing up for that job? Not, not very many of us, right? But the Bible says this, that at the bottom of his robe that there was a pomegranate and a bell, a pomegranate and a bell and a pomegranate. And while he would walk, they could hear those pomegranates hitting those bells. And so while they heard noise, they knew that he was still alive because there was incense going on in there. And, 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 and he was offering this. And so the priest was between the people and God, and he would come back and say, hey, this is what the Lord is speaking to you. Amen. And so then after Christ came, the New Testament writers, they say this about the high priest and, and, and your new part in the new covenant. You know, you have a part in the new covenant. Check this out. I like this. First Peter 2 9 says this. Oh, you ready for this? But it says this. But you are a what? Chosen race, a royal what? Oh, come on. A holy nation, a people of his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And this is what happened. It made it clear that there were no hierarchies or different levels. Listen, that made it clear that, that and, it, and Jesus obliterated the old system. And he said, guess what? I am making a way so that you can come boldly before the throne of glory. 
Hebrews 4.14 says this, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, come on somebody, the Son of God, let us hold fast to what? Our confession. Look at this, go a few, few verses down, Hebrews 4.16 says this, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace and help in the time of need. You know what, this new, this new covenant, what it gives us is gives us access. No longer do I have to go through a human priest, but I turn my life to Christ. And then guess what, I can boldly go into the throne of heaven and say, God, I have a need. Matter of fact, the scripture says this, that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father and he is interceding for you. What does that mean? He is praying for you. You know what, that is the best person in the world to be praying for you, rooting you on, telling the Father, hey, they need this. They need this guidance. Can you, can you do this, Lord? Help them out, Lord. Help them, Father. Help them, right? Jesus is our high priest, and he intercedes for us. Amen? No longer was it one or two people who spoke for the Lord. Now, every believer, your part, you, you listen, you could speak for the Lord. What do you mean? Huh? Like, can I tell you something? You've got friends in high places. If you know Jesus Christ, you got a friend in a very high place. He will get you access to things that will blow your mind if you'll trust him. Man, I tell you what, it's interesting. My kids, when at our house, they have access to anything in our house at any place, you know. And, and they can go anywhere in our house. But you take my kids to my parents' house, listen, uh, you know, and they go into my parents' house. My parents may say, hey, why are they in my kitchen? Why are they making a bowl of cereal? And I say, hey, mom and dad, remember whose they are. They're mine. I'm connected to you so they have access to. And that's what Jesus does for us. Jesus gives us access. Come on in. Amen. So, so uh, you know, here's the thing. There, listen, if somebody tells you, you know, I, I have a hotline to Jesus, don't, you know, don't, don't. Hey, listen, there is nobody in this world who has better access. They're all equal because of Jesus Christ. Amen? Jesus approached. Uh, I love Jesus because he approached people in the most unexpected ways. And sometimes we just got to open our eyes. You know, God uses people sometimes to speak to us. Oh, come on, somebody. God uses people sometimes to speak to us. God will use a pastor to speak to you. Come on, somebody. God will use your kids to speak to you. Come on, somebody. God will use your wife to speak to you. Come on, husbands. Right? Matthew 14, Jesus came to his disciples. You know what? And they were out on the sea, and they thought he was a ghost, right? He said, there's a ghost out there. And Jesus just walking on the water, coming over there just to, 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 to help them out. In John chapter 20, Mary asked the, she asked the gardener. She thought Jesus was the gardener. She said, where, where have you laid the body of Jesus? It's interesting, you know. And, and then in Luke 24, there were two travelers heading to Emmaus. And you know what? Jesus is kind of chill along, walk beside them. And they're just talking. And he starts having a conversation with him, they didn't even realize who he was. Jesus shows up in the most unexpected places, right? Mary mistook Jesus for a gardener. God can use simple people and laborers to speak to us. Come on. Sometimes the Lord can use a perfect stranger, men on the road. God will use a stranger to speak to you. I remember one time when I was a youth pastor, I had a young, young man in our, in our youth who was a very talented uh, drummer and a great kid. And he had an opportunity, a possible opportunity to play at an event. And 
man, I, just some bad things happened, and he didn't get to play. He's young. He's a little immature. He was upset. He was frustrated. He said, Pastor, man, I, I, just, I need to talk to somebody. And I said, all right, let's go. You know what you do when youth talk to you like that? You say, hey, let's go to the fast food joint. Come on, some, somebody, right? And so, I, so we went, and we're standing in line. Man, in Texas, we're standing in Whataburger, and some of you people are Whataburger fans. I, and, and we're standing in line there, and, and I'll never forget, we're just waiting to order. And there was a gentleman just sitting at a table next to us, and he's just minding his own business, just sitting there. And while we're sitting there, he looks at this young man. Listen, this is, I, this is, I'm, if I, this is the dead level truth. He looks at this young man, and he says, whatever you're troubled about, you need to let God take care of it. And you need to let God fight your battles. And then this man gets up. So this young man with me, he's looking at me like, come on, youth pastor, step in here. Help me out, right? I'm like, oh, no, I know what this is. This is the spirit of God working through this man. I don't know who this guy is. I don't know who he is, but he's speaking some truth. Uh, he's lining up with what's happening in your situation. I know what's happening. You know what's happening. And he gets up and he begins to just uh, just prophesy over this young man and listen we sat there for like an hour just talking to this man and God will use a stranger to catch your attention come on somebody amen amen come on give the Lord a hand clap of praise God will use people that are outside of your familiar circle to prod you along and get you going everyone all believers have a part to play see we can all be used by God. Look at your neighbor and say, hey, you can be used by God. Amen. And you may hear God's voice and, and, and you can know his heart and we can listen. Because, because of Jesus, we have a new part with access that we didn't have before. And we can come confidently approach his throne. Amen. A new heart, a new part. And here's the last one. And a worship team can come right now. A new start. Everyone say a new start. Amen. A new heart, a new part, and a new start. I love this. Verse 34, the second part of this verse says this. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. Let me read that one more time for you, for the people in the back. So, for I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. Here's what happens. When we come to Christ in the new covenant, we are forgiven. We're forgiven. See, we struggle with forgiveness. You know why? Because some of us don't know how to give it. And here's the, here's the greater thing. Some of us don't know how to receive it. Right? But Jesus comes along. He says, I'm going to just blow that all out of the water. Because what I want to give you, I want to give you freely. You know, I saw this story. A Sunday school teacher had just concluded her lesson and wanted to make sure that she had made her point. She said, can anyone tell me what you must do before you can obtain forgiveness of sin? There was a short pause, and then from the back of the room, a small boy spoke up and said, sin, right? You guys didn't catch that. All right, that went over your head. That's all right. Someone asked an elderly Christian lady, does the devil ever trouble you about your past? How many have ever felt tormented by, by, by the enemy? You feel condemnation for things that you've done. You know it's been washed under the blood of the Lamb, but, but you, you feel condemnation. I, I love this story. Someone, someone asked an elderly Christian lady, does the devil ever trouble you about your past sins? And she answered, yes. And the inquirer asked what she did. And she, she replied, oh, I, I, just, I, I just tell him, go east. 
what, what, do you, what do you do if he comes back, they ask. I just tell him, go west. And when he comes back from the west, what, what do you do then? She said, I just keep telling him to go from the east to the west. Matter of fact, in Psalms 103, 12, it says this. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Listen, if God has forgiven you, you just tell the devil, hey, go go east. You go look for it. Hey, you want to come back and try to bother me? Go west. Go look for it again. God has let it go. Elsa, let it go, let it go. He has forgiven you, right? He has forgiven you. Listen, Romans 5.1 says this, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. So that word justified, I, I love that word, justified. That, that, that Greek word, I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. But uh, it's a legal term meaning not only pardoned but righteous, okay. It doesn't mean, hey, justified doesn't mean that I'm just pardoned of something. It means that I'm pardoned and I'm justified and I'm right and I'm okay. There's nothing that you can hold against me. Let me give you a good example. It, 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 uh, you know, I love the word justify. I say this quite often on Wednesday night. Justified means just as if. Nothing ever happened. You know what Jesus does? He turns back time and says, it's all gone. Don't worry about it. How many of you wish you could turn back time on, on some situations and some things, some past things? God, he turns it back. But if someone commits a crime, they can be pardoned, right? And they could walk the streets, a free person, you know, if, if somebody commits a crime and someone in, in the governor can say, hey, I, I pardon you because, you know, I feel like that you deserve. And they can be, they can walk the streets free, right? But that doesn't mean that somebody that doesn't know their situation can't come to them and say, hey, you did this and you were just pardoned, right? And they can point out your flaws. But, but if that same person was pardoned but also a model citizen and a person of honor, they can walk with a little bit of swagger and confidence, right? Because, huh? I, I, you know, you may have thought I committed a crime, but ain't nothing holding me back now, right? Oh, this is a little, little young lady I, coming in church this morning. She was walking, and, and she was just, she had a swagger going into kids' church. And I thought, man, I, God, give me that Holy Ghost swagger. I want that Holy Ghost swagger in my life. Confidence, right? God says, not only are you forgiven, not only are you forgiven, listen to me, God, not only are you forgiven, but I declare you righteous. I declare that you're good. I declare that there's hope in you. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 18 says this, Therefore, anyone is in Christ. He is a what? A. The old has passed away. Woo! And behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So, through the new covenant, listen to me, through the new covenant, God gives us a new heart upon which he writes his will. Hey, he, he'll lead us, he'll guide us, he'll, he'll show us. He gives us a new part to call, uh, and everyone's called to do, uh, to help each other, to, to do his will, right? That's our new part, to do his will. And then he gives us a new start because in his sight, we're justified. You're forgiven? And I don't remember. Matter of fact, you ever you ever go to the Lord and say, "Hey, Lord, I'm sorry. I, you know, I, you know, I, I feel condemnation for this." And God's gonna say, "What sin? I forgave you of that sin. I, I threw it away. It's it's gone. Let it go." Right? How many are grateful for a new start in Jesus? Amen. 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 Amen.
You know, I'll never forget the day that I made things right with Christ. And I grew up in a pastor's home, and you guys have heard my story, but you're going to hear it again. Listen, you need to hear it, all right? Grew up in a pastor's home. I knew right from wrong. I lived in church. I knew how to act in church. I knew how to, to look good at church. I knew how to make things happen. But I also went to school and lived a whole different way than I did in, in, in church. What you saw in church is not what you saw in science class. What you saw when I was on the basketball team. And I, I lived a whole different life. And I'll never forget, my parents took me to a conference. Our church went to it. I don't even know if I wanted to go or not wanted to go. But I'll never forget that they made the altar call that night under conviction just in my seat we were sitting in the balcony the guy was making an altar call and he said just come just come and I was like no way am I going we have church people here they're never going to know that I've got problems in my life I'm too prideful I'm not going to tell my mom and dad let them know that I got issues in my life that I'm struggling at this and I'll never forget, he looked up, I, I know it's the Holy Spirit, looked right up at me, pointed right where I was at and said, the devil's telling you and giving you every excuse to me. And that's when I just got up. I just started walking. I just started weeping. I didn't know what was going on. I knew what was going on. And I was like, get out of my way, get out of my way. I walked down the front that day. It was forever changed in my life. God turned my hard heart soft gave me a new heart. And I began to understand, hey, I, I have a part and I have a role to play in this. Amen. And he gave me, gave me a new start that day. Amen. Romans 8.31 says this. I, I love this. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? So why, why did you use that scripture, Pastor? That's really weird. Why would you want to do that? I need to tell some, some of you about this verse because I believe some of you need to hear this. Can I tell you something? Some of you think God is condemning you. Some of you think God is not for you. Some of you think what you have a, a skewed view of this. Can I tell you something? God is for you. He's not against you. He's not disappointed in you. Come on. He's not angry with you. He's not down on you because of this new covenant. Listen, if God be for you, who can be against you? Romans 10.9 says this, if you bow your heads with me, listen to this verse. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. All heads bowed. You've heard me speak and just pour out my heart today on, on what I felt like the Lord just wanted to tell you. It's not an old system that will save you. It's not works-based. Ephesians 2.8 says it's by grace you've been saved. It's by His mercy. It's His kindness that, 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 that leads to forgiveness. It's what draws us. It's the conviction. We've, I, I just felt that in my heart, this whole service. This new covenant, listen to me, is, is for you. It's for you. And if you're here and you say, hey, pastor, I, I hear you. And I need to make things right with the Lord. 
I need to make some things right in my heart right now. I need to ask for forgiveness. I love this verse 10 because it's you believe with your heart, but you confess with your mouth is what the scripture says. If you're here and say, hey, pastor, that's me. I, I need to make things right in my heart and my life with Jesus Christ. No one looking around, please, just in this moment. Would you just lift your hand? Anybody in here? Thank you for that. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. 